This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture and I'm Juliet Jacobs. YEL stands for Youth Environment Living Labs and was created to strengthen youth-led environmental action rooted in local, indigenous and traditional knowledge. Now, the aim of YEL is a two-pronged one, to help local youths find their voice in environmental action and also to amplify the existing sustainability efforts among young people. So I'm going to find out more about YEL from Wani Nor Imanina, a youth environment community facilitator for YEL and also Mogir Sababati, the co-founder of Project Ocean Hope, to find out more. Welcome both of you. How are you today? Hi, Juliet. Thank you so much. I'm great. Yeah. Yep, doing great, Juliet. Thank you. Lovely to have you both on the show. So Mogesh is no stranger to the show. We've had you before. Uh, I think it was early last year, isn't it? But we'll catch up and we'll find out, you know, what you've been up to since. Maybe we can just, uh, you know, let our listeners get to know the both of you a little bit better. Uh, Mogesh, maybe I can start with you. Uh, when did you first decide to get involved in environmental activism? Thanks, thanks for the question, Juliet. Um, it, it's nice to be back. Uh, <laughs> right, so I, I graduated with a bachelor's degree in marine biology from University of Malaysia, Trangganu. Um, and and just, just to quickly, uh, you know, share how I really started uh, environmental activism. Uh, so I'm, I'm also currently in my second year PhD at uh, University of Putra, Malaysia. I'm working on uh, stem cells and uh, respiratory disease, which has, you know, very little connection with climate change and environment. But really, um, what I'm doing right now is, is uh, truly out of passion and uh, love for nature. And I really want to do something as the youth growing up in Malaysia and, and as, a, as, as a global society, in fact, um, you know, to, to, um, to be a concerned young person uh, for the environment. So how it all started was, uh, as I shared in the previous interview, um, you know, I grew up in Labuan and uh, Labuan is, uh, is, is uh, one of the most popular tourist destinations in Malaysia. And uh, it's, it's very well known for its fishing industry. And, and I consider myself very fortunate. And it's, it's definitely a privilege uh, for me to grow up surrounded by the oceans and nature. So I, I kind of feel like I learned to appreciate the nature and the oceans better since a very, very young age. Um, because uh, really, I spent my entire childhood there. So basically, it was, it was a first-hand experience if I can say, of watching both good and bad practices of environmental protection. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, what I saw growing up uh, is, you know, some of the major issues that were like uh, water shortage, uh, poor waste management, and, and lack in support for the locals for better understanding of what's happening around them and, and what can they actually do to play a part to reduce the impacts of climate change and environmental issues. Now, the thing is, a lot of them are aware that it's happening environmental issues are real, climate change is real, but they don't know what to do about it. So growing up, watching all this, it really sparked my interest um, and, and the kind of motivation to also contribute my share. So um, that's how I, I got into the degree program first, uh, first of all. And, uh, but then one year into the, into the bachelor's uh, program, I noticed that everything I was learning in the classroom seemed very exclusive in a way that it got me thinking that environmental science is only for the people in this area of work mm. uh, or, or people in this area of uh, education. So I thought, you know, um, it'll be more meaningful if I could break that and help to translate what is taught in the classroom to a language that can be easily understood by everyone. Because I think in Environmental education is uh, universal knowledge and definitely knowledge for survival. So that's how we started a youth-led initiative called uh, Project Ocean Hope uh, to enhance ocean and environmental literacy among young people in Malaysia. 
And uh, honestly, um, you know, as as a young person myself, it's it's really scary and makes me extremely anxious when I think about the future that we and the future generation will be living in by the rate of environmental degradation um, and and the increasing impacts of climate change that we can already see now. And um, yeah, so I think I think it's really important to remember that what we plan and decide today will shape not only the future generations, not only the future for the future generations, but also for us. Mm-hmm. So. Okay. Yeah. All right. And Nina, if I can just quickly ask you, I, I mean, uh, yes, Mogesh is a is a youth activist, right? I, I'm not sure if uh, you also consider yourself that, but talk to me a little bit about, you know, uh, when you first learned about the climate crisis, you know, I mean, how did that come to impact you and, you know, the way you, the way you worked and the way you sort of lived your life? Yeah, so um, basically, I grew up in Alostar, Kedah, um, Sungai Baru Alostar, Kedah. So we had like a very sustainable lifestyle. We'll, we'll, you know, like gather ulam, which is like a variety of vegetables. And we worked on the paddy fields. So actually, I really learned about the climate crisis when I was a teenager. And honestly, it felt like kind of a hopeless um, thing. It feels very big. It feels very like, um, like... it's just like a giant issue that you feel like suddenly rests on your shoulders. And I think it relates back to where I grew up because like, you know, weather was getting hotter and it was just much much more difficult for my family to work on the paddy fields then. And um, my immediate reaction was really not knowing where to start. And I think especially because we bear the, like youths bear the brunt of like climate change, it really feels like, we need to act now, we need to act fast. But a lot of it was like individual action. A lot of it was focused in recycling the three R's that you learn in school, but it never really addresses like the bigger issue. And we really never really steered the conversation in that way. So I think that's why um, I like, I first interned with UNICEF uh, Malaysia, and that's where I, I realized that, you know, there is a structural conversation to this. There is a structural approach that we can take. And, I learned that, you know, like by joining such like such an organization, it means that I can uh, address this in a systematic way. And it means that I can also help facilitate conversations with young people and organization and be the bridge for them um, from young people to policymakers and for them to also discover YEL in that sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, and we're going to talk about YEL a little bit uh, after this, but I'm just curious to know also, I mean, I mean, uh, Mogesh, you talked to me about Ocean Hope Project the last time we, we spoke, but uh, anything else you want to, you know, let our listeners know about, about this group? So it's a youth-led group, you know, can you just remind us what made you set this project up? What was the idea behind it? All of that. Right. Um, so, like I said, uh, it's actually aimed uh, to, to enhance uh, ocean literacy among uh, Malaysians, especially the young people, and uh, to really bring up the issues, um, you know, to, to raise the visibility of ocean issues like uh, marine pollution, um, unsustainable fisheries, and, and, and what kind of waste, um, you know, waste management issues that we are having in Malaysia, and how can we tackle them? Yeah. And we want the young people to start speaking up uh, for these issues and and to sort of like push the government from the grassroots levels and I think this is really important because um, you know sometimes you know for for a policy to happen we need the grassroots level push and and this is what we aim to do as well in uh, Ocean Hope and and uh, just if I can quickly go through the five pillars of Project Ocean Hope uh, so the first uh, the first pillar is we seek to enhance social literacy among Malaysian youth. Second is to empower youth to become environmental champions. Um, the third is to spread 
uh, awareness through community engagement and outreach programs. So over the last uh, few years, we've been up and running for the last five years now, and we've been doing so many community engagement programs and outreach programs, especially to the local communities, um, especially focused in the Pantai uh, Timo, Kelantan, and Terengganu, the the uh, East Coast side. And uh, the, the fourth pillar is that we include our ocean experts from all around the country, especially from University of Malaysia Terengganu, um, since it's a marine niche university. And, uh, you know, really in an effort to um, breach the scientific knowledge from university to society. And uh, the fifth uh, pillar is to connect ocean interest partners, including the young people, because we want to recognize the young people as, as, as equal important partners for environmental protection. And we want to spread the outreach and support marine conservation efforts, not only, you know, whatever that we're doing within the project itself, within the work that we do, but also support, uh, you know, our colleagues, our members, other advocates, um, you know, around the country, around the region and around the world. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Sounds like a very collaborative effort and you know, a very much community-based, very much, uh, yeah, a lot of working together, right? That's, I would say, the, the crux of it. Definitely. Yes. Okay. And uh, Nina, if I can just talk to you about why you think local environment activism is important. Because yes, we've got, you know, all these global heroes, for example. But, you know, why is it important to have local people speaking up about local issues? Yeah. So I think a lot of our perspective about climate change is really rooted in the imagery of like polar bears and that sort of thing. And like we think about it as a faraway thing. So it's really important to have local environmental activism in the sense that it's to ensure that the solutions we are coming up with are applicable to these communities um, here. And we want to go back to these communities and figure out maybe there is whether traditional or indigenous practices that have been like long been around but never really highlighted. And we want to ensure, you know, because they are rooted here in Malaysia, we know that maybe we can try and test it out with other communities, for example. And it's really to amplify our voices, the youth to amplify our voices and our concerns, to really highlight our experience as well as we go through climate change. And it's not some faraway thing anymore. It's it's not just polar bears. It's happening right here in Kedai, in Sha'alam and in Kuala Lumpur, you know, in that mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. yeah. And over in Labuan as well, isn't it, Mogesh? So yeah. it's, it's happening. I mean, the impacts, we are seeing it today. Yeah, it's not some existential threat anymore. It is a very clear and present danger in that sense. Let's just go for one quick break, guys. When we come back, let's talk a little bit more about how you guys have been working with uh, the youths, you know, some of the priorities and key challenges for youth environmental action in Malaysia. I'm speaking today to Wani Nor Imanina. She is the Youth Environment Community Facilitator at the Youth Environment Living Labs, or YEL, and also Mogesh Sabapati. He is the co-founder of Project Ocean Hope. We're actually talking a lot about youth activism and why climate, youth climate activism and environmental activism is important. And we're going to find out more also about the Youth Environment Living Labs. Keep it right here on Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Joining me on the line today are Wani Nur Imanina. She's a Youth Environment Community Facilitator at the Youth Environment Living Labs, or YEL, and Mogesh Sababati. He is the co-founder of Project Ocean Hope. We're going to find out about what the Youth Environment Living Labs is all about, but we're also talking about youth activism, you know, why local environmental activism is important, but especially, you know, for the youth, because as we know, the impacts of, you know, all our environmental degradation and the climate crisis, all of that is going to disproportionately affect the youth, you know, in the future. So, um, guys, you know, uh, we were talking uh, before the break, uh, Nina, you were mentioning why local environmental activism is important. Um, 
do you also think there is a huge gap in youth participation uh, on these environmental issues, you know, the climate crisis, um, especially here in Malaysia? Yeah, so I think the thing is that youths do care. So for example, Ala Minority did a nationwide poll that more than a thousand youths care about climate change and 96% agree that we need to do more to conserve our nature. And similarly, UNDP and UNICEF supported by Econites carried out a survey on youth perspective on climate change and the results are published in Change for Climate Report. And it mainly found that youths are eager to act on climate change and environmental issues. But going back to the question, actually there there's a huge gap in the fact that youths don't really know how to participate. And really from that study, we saw that there's a lack of local entry points in how to contribute to environmental action. I think we really see, like, for example, for me, I didn't really see in the beginning how I could contribute beyond my personal action, but also in a systematic way. I could recycle, but it would still feel like I'm not doing enough. And this really echoes with a lot of youth in Malaysia. And it's really affected reflected in the studies that I mentioned earlier. So it's really about the entry points and uh, enabling all these youths to find out how to enter and how to contribute to um, addressing climate change. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, And also then, you know, um, do you think that young people are becoming more interested? You know, are they, you know, really, uh, I guess, you know, they they realise that it's going to impact them as well, right? And impact them far worse, you know, for things that they didn't do in that sense, right? Uh, So do you think they have become more interested in protecting our planet? Have Have you seen a change with the climate crisis being talked about more in recent times you know has that been increasing the engagement so um i think definitely young people are more interested in now protecting our climate and there's so many intersections in our conversation now from our daily routines and to the way like we take our fashion and to the way we eat so the the awareness is really there but it's really more centered around urban use and like for me for example I see a lot of posts on social media especially on Instagram with like the infographic cards or on Twitter with threads but they're mostly in English so it's not really as accessible for youth um, whose command of language is different and I think that's why we really need to do more work on localizing the climate narratives in Malaysia. So, for example, um, Yale had just done work in collaboration with Impact Malaysia, Architects of Diversity and the Ministry of Youth and Sports called the Katadua Camp, which focused on political empowerment. And we noticed that youths in different states have a w- different levels of awareness of climate change and environmental issue, but it's more focused on a scientific manner. And that's probably through like, you know, the education system. So they understand it from a scientific perspective, but they don't really know what the social impacts are in um, and what the impacts are in, in their local community. And going back to your question, so young people are becoming more aware, but it's also about making information accessible in different dialects, in different languages and ensuring like the way we talk about climate change is applicable to um, local youth. Okay. All right. And uh, on a similar note, I guess, you know, why would you say local youth activism is so necessary? Yeah. So the connection uh, between climate and environmental issues um, maybe is low. So that's why we need to have youth climate activists um, like Morgesh, like um, others to highlight and really communicate how climate issues are also social issues. And having youth to be empowered and confident in carrying out these conversations is really critical in ensuring that the action is implemented structurally to address climate change. I think it's important for us to, to be aware of 
have the impacts not just globally, but also what will happen to our kampong, to our villages, how really to mitigate or respond to the issues there. And not only that, I think it's also important that for these youth um, um, activists to also be who also live in these villages to also highlight the impacts um, that the villages go through. And like, you need to work together with them so that we can um, amplify their concerns on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. And it's not just a matter of just activism as well, right? They need to feel empowered. They need to be seen as leaders, you know, uh, in these, you know, in tackling these issues as well. Would you agree with that? Yeah, most definitely. I think it's about really empowering people to feel confident in bringing up these topics in a public setting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, would would you say, you know, based on, on, on your experiences of working with, you know, all sorts of different communities, different ages and all of that, does the response from young people about, let's say, the climate crisis and all these different environmental issues, so let's talk about pollution, let's talk about, you know, the wildlife, uh, you know, extinction crisis and all of that, uh, do their reactions to these issues differ, let's say, from the response from older people uh, based on your experience? Um, I think uh, Mogesh can also add, but I think it's more, um, we're more likely to have the conversation. Um, for example, we're like young people are really feeling the climate anxiety, you know, like, I think that's a really big issue right now. And I don't really think there's a difference between older people and younger people, but I feel like the level of urgency is different from person to person. So for a young person, as you mentioned as well earlier, Julia, like we're more likely to feel the brunt of climate change, right? So for us, climate change is a matter of survival because the impact is more likely to be felt by our group. And that's why it's more urgent and out our reactions are maybe like um, more drastic in that sense. So maybe Mogesh can add a little bit more as well. Go for it, Mogesh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I share the same sentiments as uh, Nina. Uh, but equally saying, I mean, to be fair, the older generation, I mean, it's not that they are not aware. Um, they are aware of environmental issues. And in fact, if we can, you know, look back um, at our times when, especially like when I was young, you know, my parents used to, uh, you know, recycle plastic bags, you know, like plastic bags that we bring from, you know, that we get from the from the shopping malls and pasapagi and all that, you know, and then the plastics that we were all collected. And then uh, next time, the next time when we go back to the to the market and all that, we bring back the plastics that we've used. And the same thing goes to like, um, you know, Tupperwares, you know, ice cream Tupperwares and all those different, different containers. And then we will all store it them just to reuse them again. So I think the older generation, they are all aware of environmental issues. They know what 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 needs to be done but probably yeah like uh what nina said you know the urgency you know the level of uh the level of uh anxiety that that we have that is where you know it differs you know they probably i mean the the older generation probably would not know how urgent uh things has to be done uh compared to the younger generation as we see more and more effects um happening to us you know directly and and especially the fact that the young people are more exposed to climate impacts uh, more than the older generation because we are the ones who are going to leave in the next 20 or 30 years to come you're going to see the direct impacts of climate change and we are going to be the first-hand people who are going to be affected by those impacts so yeah yeah that's going to be our reality pretty much isn't it it's not again it's not an existential threat it's going to be our reality and what would you say are some of the priorities and key challenges you know as a, as a youth environment uh, activist you know for youth environmental action in Malaysia right now as a young advocate in Malaysia I think uh, some of the key challenges that I've seen 
uh, working in this space now is like um, you know there's there's really a lack of representation of young people um and especially at decision making tables um uh, you know where where important decisions where it would affect us um and and i think it's really important to have us you know to have our voice and our opinion to to also speak up you know what we think uh and and you know what we can bring uh what kind of solutions that we can bring up to to also address and tackle climate change issues um and and you know some other some other things are like uh, you know lacking in effective communication between stakeholders uh, to take climate action where we see a lot of um you know uh segmentations you know we don't see how people work together hmm. in fact we should all be working together like different inter intersectorial you know um different departments different ministries you know so so we always see the gap between especially myself as a as a advocate um and an activist you know we always have that gap between uh you know different stakeholders and this is really what uh, becomes the major barrier for us to like you know advocate to people in in our area because a lot of things are you know interconnected and we need people to be supporting one another. It's not to say that only young people can bring change or the or the government can bring change, but it has to work together. It has to work because both both parties are like equally important, yeah. and and we also see how. Um, like like Nina mentioned before, like a lot of climate change issues and climate change related information that we see uh, moving around lacks a localized narrative. And uh, we can't be talking about, you know, melting of ice. We can't be talking about uh, polar bears in Malaysia because we don't have them. But we can instead talk about the actual issues that actually happening in Malaysia. Like currently we're we're experiencing uh, you know extreme temperatures, we're experiencing floods, we're experiencing haze problem, you know, uh, and, and all this. So we can instead talk about all this, we can instead bring all this localized um issues into the awareness of the local communities in Malaysia. And and just one last point is if I can have a call in this, and, and I think this is really you know, I'm, I'm going to have to use this opportunity to to call to the government and, and you know, all the stakeholders who is involved in the in the climate change space. And, and when I say stakeholders, it includes young people, it includes the older generation, it includes people who are in the space of climate change advocacy or not, everyone. Uh, and my call to them is to, to enable the involvement of the Malaysian community to be more inclusive, um, especially in terms of uh, providing and giving the voice and opinions uh, on, on climate change and, and what kind of solutions that we can play as a, a global citizen, as, as a Malaysian citizen, and, and how can the government support us uh, in terms of, you know, making this uh, solutions a reality. And, and uh, you know, my, my call to the government is also to recognize the position of young people, you know, the the people, the group of people who who is going to be directly affected by the climate change impacts, uh, to to contribute to climate governance because um, you know I must I must end by saying this: the future of the world is in the hands of the young people. Mm-hmm. I would just say this though, Mogesh. You know, one thing that and, and I and I fully agree with you. All I would say is, you know, don't make it their responsibility. There's a lot that can be done now. You know, a lot of the narrative I'm seeing is from the people. Yes, our hope lies in the in the youth. You know, they are the ones that are going to make a change. No, you can make a change now as well in collaboration with the youth. I feel that's really important as well. I don't know how you feel about that. 
it's like kind of passing the buck, you know, sometimes. Uh, I get that impression and, and that bugs me a lot. But yes, we need those collaborations and we need it, like, I don't know, 10 years ago. But yes, now would be a good start, isn't it? Definitely, definitely. Yeah. And so, Okay, so those are the things that you like to say, uh, you know, see action taken on. Um, but I guess, you know, just looking back at your work and, and, and all the things that you've been doing, what would you say has been the most successful or perhaps rewarding environmental project which relates to youth or to young people that you've been involved in? Right. Um, okay. So, uh, if if I can quickly share my experience uh, with uh, Project Ocean Hill, like since we started, uh, the project has by far reached uh, over ten thousand people. That that's a rough estimation. Uh, but really, throughout the the whole time that we've been working, uh, you know, we've been trying to reach out to ocean passionate individuals and environment lovers out there to uh, really reach out to them and and send the awareness. On, on how important it is for us to play the role. And coming back to your question, you know, what has been the most successful project? It would be really the the projects that we go down to the to the streets, we go down to the the, the grassroots levels, you know, we go to the fishermen community, we talk to them about, you know, why is it important for you to not leave your um, nets around, your fishing nets around, you know, because it's going to end up becoming ghost nets. You know, why is it important that you should reduce the use of plastics um, in, in restaurants? And we really go down to these restaurants in Tranganu especially, and we, we tell them like, you know, you should probably try to look for alternatives, you know, instead of using plastic bags, you can probably opt out for or, um, you know, ask them to just uh, bring their own Tupperwares, you know, bring their own uh, containers. And, and we have started seeing the change happening. You know, of course, we don't see immediate changes, but we have started seeing things picking up, uh, and which is a good thing, you know. So yeah. uh, we've seen how local restaurants and shops have slowly uh, minimized the usage of single-use plastic straws and plastic bags. And, and even, you know, the, the good thing about this is, and, and something that we're really proud of is that this restaurants, these local shops have even started advocating on the impact of uh, plastics to the ocean have started advocating on why they should um, you know, you know, help to protect the environment. Why is it important to uh, save the sea turtles, especially like you know, when we talk about Chiangainu, you know, we, we hear a lot about sea turtles dying, you know, almost every week. So, you know, we've we've seen how how things that we do have started making impact. And and look at just, you know, this is just one project. You know, look at uh, the, the kind of change or the impact that we can make uh, collectively when when all of us, all the other advocates and all the other projects can also come together and work to push this kind of good values to the to the local community. And and also on my on my personal capacity, I've also been writing um, a lot of opinion articles um, to the local medias and even international media. And and. Uh, the reason why I do that is because I feel like, you know, I need to contribute more and I need to do more to, to, to you know, to, to my capacity, you know, what I can do best. And, and so I started writing and my message has been received by people, you know, where people come up to me and say, hey, uh, you know, I actually like your idea. And there's even some government representatives coming up and quoting, you know, saying that, okay, you know, Mogesh said this, yeah. you know, uh, but, well you done. know, yeah. So, I mean, this, this is the kind of things that we want the young people to do. You know, we want the young people to come forward and, and speak up their mind and 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 to be bold, uh, to 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 play a role in uh you know in, in really designing or, or creating the future that they want to live in in the next 20 or 30 years to come. So yeah. Yeah, to be unafraid, I suppose. Right. I mean, what's the worst that could happen from speaking up? You know, not 
the worst thing is that you won't be listened to. But you know, there's no harm in writing those articles, in speaking up, in and who knows, right? Who's listening and, and what action can actually be taken, especially you know, for somebody like you who's got the proof to back up everything that you've said, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Excellent. Well, um, let's just go for one more quick break. When we come back, I'm gonna ask Nina about you know what she what sort of action she wants seen uh, taken here and by whom. And also we're gonna find out more about Yell. I'm speaking today to Mogesh Sababati, he's the co-founder of Project Ocean Hope and also Wani Nur Imanina. She's a youth environment community facilitator at the Youth Environment Living Labs. We're finding out more about youth activism, youth environmental activism, and how Yell plays a part in that. We'll have more after this quick break. You're listening to Earth Matters on the Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. Welcome back. This is Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture. I'm Juliet Jacobs. Joining me on the line today are Wani Nur Imanina. She's a youth environment community facilitator at the Youth Environment Living Labs, or YEL, and Mogish Sababati. He is the co-founder of Project Ocean Hope. We're talking about environmental activism today, environmental action, uh, you know, and how YEL, which stands for the Youth Environment Living Labs, was created to strengthen youth-led environmental action, but rooted in local, indigenous, and traditional knowledge. Uh, now, Nina, if I can just quickly ask you, you know, um, before the break, uh, Mogesh shared, you know, what are some actions he'd like seeing taken now and also by whom. Uh, maybe you can help me answer, you know, what are your views on that as well? Yeah, so I just really want to echo in the sense that Mogesh mentioned about, you know, a lot of the work not to be segmented anymore. And I really would appreciate, you know, for youths to be able to contribute their perspective in a meaningful way and for pol- policymakers to really consider as the stakeholders. So it's just really to echo what Morgesh said. And I think through YEL, we really aim to be that bridge between young people and the key decision makers. And I think that I believe that other agent agencies can also look at in um, Alam's direction, for example, in supporting youth through YEL and contributing in ensuring that sustainability of youth um, climate organizations. And I think that's a really, really important issue because in the Change for Climate report, youth climate organizations in Malaysia really do face this issue in sustainability in continuing their organization and doing this amazing work that they have been doing. So it's really not only about talking about supporting um, youth, but also really putting in the effort like support your local youth environmental organizations okay guys and um and i think like corporations should also you know take a step in not being like acha hijau <laughs> so that's a new word that I love um, came it. out I last love, week i love that yeah no more greenwashing acha hijau yeah <laughs> Yeah, so greenwash in English, right? So it's really to support local movements and ensure that within their cooperation, there's also a, a systematic change in addressing their carbon emissions. So I think for me, those are like the three main and key points that I really would like to see um, uh, taken, yeah. Mm-hmm. Couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, we've been talking about YEL a lot. I've, I've briefly sort of explained what it is, but maybe in your own words, can you help us understand what YEL is all about? You know, what was the genesis of it? All of that. Yeah, so YEL really came about after the production of the Change for Climate report. So as I mentioned earlier, youths are really interested in taking the action, but they don't really know how to. And because of that, the gap still remains. And such as, you know, the lack of local narratives, lack of local um, entry points, um, and how exactly these youths are meant to take their first step in environmental action. So UNDP and UNICEF also did consultations with young people at the inception of YAL, and it was found that youth-oriented environmental programs are largely focused on doing without really much space of documentation and uh, learning and reflection. And furthermore, in the same space, 
you know, people really think of green careers. I think Morgesh mentioned earlier, like green careers kind of only is like, it sounds like it's limited only to the scientific aspects of it. So actually we want to raise the awareness that it's not just that, it's really, um, we really want to ensure that people know that you can take a step in um, approaching green careers through anywhere, like in your local job right now. For example, Julia, you're doing an amazing job at it because you're in your career as a host, you're talking about environmental action. So technically it is a green career. And as I mentioned earlier, youth-led environmental organizations also struggle largely with this issue of sustainability. So that's why Yale really aims to localize these climate narratives to inclusion and emphasis on local and indigenous perspective on nature and the environment, and really to strengthen the ecosystem of actors, um, nurturing today's and tomorrow's youth environmental leaders. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you for that. You know, it's, um, yeah, I think it's just a tiny piece that I'm playing. But yeah, I, I remember speaking to some other activists who said like, you know, sometimes you don't know what to do. Just bake a cake and, you know, raise funds and give it to, you know, organizations like Mogishas. You know, even that, everyone can play a part pretty much, right? And you mentioned some of the stakeholders. Are those all the different people that are involved in this organization? Are there more people involved? Yeah, so our main stakeholders are the youth, really. We want to focus from 14 to the age of 30. And we want to target all youth from different walks of life nationwide and really make it accessible for everyone. And especially we're looking towards like indigenous youth and for youth in rural areas. And I think I mentioned earlier that climate action is really urbanized. So we really want to think about and localize these climate narratives for all youth and not just those in set, uh, centered in urban areas. And besides youth, we're also um, working with environmental organizations like Project Ocean Hope and also public-private sectors to provide these opportunities for youth to really amplify their voices. Mm-hmm. And you, you've mentioned what it stands for and all of that, but what would you say the main aims of the organization are? You know, how do you actually see these aims realized, I suppose? You know, maybe you can talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah, so it's really about localizing climate narratives, right? And really strengthening um, the youth um, activists in the ground right now. And to do this, we really want to connect the environmental movers and advocates throughout the region and nation and really to ensure that we are advocating jointly on issues of concern because it's not just about one voice, it's about multiple voices, amplifying our concerns. And through this, we really want Yale to work together with um, the actors on ground and we want to run collaborative action learning projects. So what that means is really like, if you want to highlight um, local Indigenous practices, you can work with us. If you want to let's say, um, highlight what dyes are great for the environment right now. We want you to work with us. So those are the action learning projects that I'm talking about. And finally, as I mentioned, a lot of us are really focused on doing. We're really, um, we're, you know, action um, driven. We want to do, but we also want, um, Yell also wants us to document the learning so that we can inform, inspire and strengthen the growing youth movement. And I think this is really important because we want to be able, like, you know, for other communities to be um, replicating maybe what the success of our um, program has been. So I think Project Ocean Hope has been really great in documenting all of these learnings as well. So, yeah, that's really um, what Yell uh, main aims are right right now. Okay, and I understand that the first phase took place last year, right back in 2021. And from what I understand, it brought together a network of over, I think it was 200 entities across uh, all sorts of uh, diverse sectors, right, um, in support of climate and environmental action. Can you tell me a little bit more about phase one? Yeah, so I think the greatest value add, as you mentioned, like we brought over a network and we created and we mapped um, 
uh, we did a comprehensive mapping of all the youth leaders and organizations that are out there going, doing great, amazing climate environmental work in Malaysia. And I think before this, um, it was really hard to notice or to realize, you know, there is something that you can do or you can contribute to in your local community. And youth movements are usually organic, you know, so it's good that this has, this has been mapped so that others can also access the work and um, the work that is being done in the community or even go go to another place, experience the, um, the traditional culture and the environment um, outside your own community, for example, and learn about the solutions that they're implementing in their community. So I think we really want this directory to grow and we really want um, a more systematic approach to support the NGO ecosystem. And I really want to bring and direct us back to Mogesh because, um, you know, he was in our phase one and we want to know how his experience was like with Yao. Take it away, Mogesh. How was it for you? Yeah, uh, thank you, Nina. So uh, my first engagement with Yale was um, when I had the chance to participate in the design workshop. Uh, it was actually part of the phase one of Yale. It was a four-hour interactive session with about uh, 30 youth leaders coming from different areas of work around uh, environmental advocacy uh, to contribute views and opinions on specific issues, including challenges that prevent us uh, from being involved in the climate change and environment space in Malaysia and what can be done to address this issue. Um, so many great inputs. And personally, what I really, really like about Yale is that it promotes uh, inclusivity by engaging and mobilizing youth from diverse backgrounds. And, um, and, and it provides equal space and voice to, to us by emphasizing local perspectives on each environment, and environment like Nina mentioned. And... Uh, to be honest, I'm, I'm very, very glad that, you know, Yale is there and, and I'm so glad that I'm part of the network because um, it feels like I'm finally in a, in a group or a space where, you know, everyone understands each other. And I think it's really important to have a space like this to exchange ideas and opportunities besides acting as a support system to discuss challenges and solutions in our advocacy work. And I see, um, I mean, I foresee Yale as an effective platform to not only support youths uh, who are already actively involved in climate action, but also to um, align existing work of uh, young people out there who are, uh, you know, keen in taking climate action as well. And I believe, uh, you know, it's time for the world to recognize young people as equal partners uh, in, in safeguarding the earth. And YEL is definitely the way to go where, you know, it would help by providing tools and resources for youths to take action. And uh, most importantly, to amplify voices of young people in Malaysia in the fight against climate change. Okay, excellent. And uh, it, sounds, it sounds really wonderful and I think bridging those uh, urban uh, uh, kampung sort of divides as well, right? Bringing everybody together in that sense. So that's wonderful. And I understand that phase two has just been launched. Uh, what's set to happen? Yeah, so actually, um, before I get talking about phase two, we have a really fun setup that I'd like to introduce you all to. So it's mostly a play on words. Um, and really, phase two is set up to explore different pillars um, of our program. And really, um, it's three things. So one is exploration. So it's explore and action, um, which basically focuses on seed funding for action learning projects with or for youth. So if you have 
if you're currently listening to us, um, if you have a project that you're you'd like funding for, you know, come and approach us um, over at Yale because we really want to ensure that you know your work can be um, set in communities. And secondly, it's conservation. So it's conservation and vocation. And you know, as the name is like, it's really about providing internships, um, working with um, local youth environmental organizations to provide work placements and field experiences so that we can help build the green careers. And finally, we have our network resource hub where we want to feature and co-create resources on our website, which is yale.my, <laughs> to support really these local actions. So those are the things that we are rolling out in phase two, but we also have Academy Impact where we are working with in collaboration with Impact Malaysia. And that's really to help kickstart the project and really help um, youths to iron out the details of the program and the project and ensure that its viability of the program, programs can be done in local communities. Okay. And, you know, for anyone, again, you know, if anyone's listening and they'd like to get involved, um, you know, there's no sort of restrictions in that sense, right? I mean, if you're interested, there is a, a chance for you to participate. I mean, how can they actually get involved? What's the best way to do that? Yeah, so if you head over to yell.my, you can register your interest um, for Academy Impact. Just, um, we have our interest form there, so jot down your name, your details, and your organization if you have one. But in terms of use, right, we really want you to know more about Yell and really to get inspired by um, our journey and our speakers and for you to come on board um, for Yell's initiatives. And if you're an individual, you don't really have a group, maybe you're interested in participating with a group of friends, you can do so through Academy Impact, as I mentioned earlier. But also we want, if you're interested in green careers, feel free to join us um, so that we can direct you to an organization that suits your interest. And we also have toolkits. So, you know, for any of those like infuriating circumstances where you feel like, oh, I need to tell someone about climate change, environmental impact. We have a toolkit that is developed on Yale.my. And if you do any work, you know, submit it to us and we can always display them on the Network Resource Hub. Mm-hmm. And I went through that resource. There's everything that is wonderful. Uh, so yeah, that's a great resource. You know, if you just want to find out, right, you just want to explain it to people. Everything is there. There's toolkits, all sorts of different things. Um, well, thank you so much, you know, both of you for joining me today. Um, it sounds like an amazing program. Again, you know, people just need to head to yell.my uh, to find out more. But before I let the both of you go, uh, is there any final message that you'd like to leave us with? You know, maybe um, any your hopes, perhaps, you know, for youth environmental activism, anything at all? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, just just uh, a, a quick uh, you know run through of what what have been happening. I mean, we see headlines almost every day about um, you know extreme temperatures. We hear a lot about you know sea level rise, floods, especially in Malaysia right now, um, droughts, forest fires, ocean acidification, loss of living species, and you know, and so much more. Just especially over the last decade, and you know, really, I feel like um, you know we've had way too many conversations that we should, and we must recognize that there is an urgent need to move um, towards transformative climate action, and these actions need to be aligned for our collective efforts to be effective. Because if we don't, we are going to reach the point of no return sooner than we expected. So there's really no time to act then now. And really, it's 2022. We have plenty of solutions to the problem that we're facing. We just need to deploy them at the rate that the crisis demands. And uh, I hope to also encourage um, the, the young 
people who are listening right now to join us on a collective pledge to to make youth participation in decision making processes more inclusive and transparent um you know recognizing challenges and empowering youth with um climate knowledge skills and resources and we also call the government to make stronger commitments to effective engagement with youth and other with youths and other stakeholders um as well as to improve access to finance for climate action and strengthening climate governance in the, in the last uh, COP26 Prime Minister Ismail Sabri Yaakob uh, announced the government's intention to reduce the intensity of uh, greenhouse gases emission by 45% and has set a target of becoming a carbon neutral nation at the earliest by 2050. And recently, the government also announced great initiatives to address um, um, climate change and environmental issues in the country, like the announcement by the um, Environment and Water Casa Minister, Dr. Sri Tuan Ibrahim Tonman, that Malaysia will begin making um, the switch to electric vehicles for its government fleet beginning from 2023, the formulation of national adaptation plan relating to impact of climate change and several other great initiatives through, um, you know, uh, different organizations, and especially that, you know, we have, uh, 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 you know, the, the Malaysian, uh, Malaysia Climate Change Action Council, MyCAC. And, and, you know, we hope to see that the government stake uh, committed to, to making a difference. And, you know, really for the listeners out there, you know, let's start reflecting on our actions. Um, you know, are we, are we doing enough? Uh, and if, if we're not, are we ready to be sorry to the future generation that we were too greedy and caught up in our own doing? that we left them in an unbelievable world. And, and um, you know, really, we are in the middle of a climate emergency. Remember, the change begins with every single one of us because this planet is our only home. And, um, you know, to, to also learn more about our work, um, you may simply log on to uh, www.oceanhope.umt.edu.my or you may also reach out to me on my socials uh, to learn more about Yell, uh, you know, yell.my as introduced by uh, Nina. So, yeah. Youth for climate change. <laughs> okay, thank you, Mogesh. And what about for you, Nina? Any last message? Yeah, so I really echo everything that Mogesh said. I think he encapsulated it perfectly. And I just wanted to add that, you know, we really need to discuss about our environment in the local context. And for me, really, it's about to go back and discover the way of life that my grandmothers had done and to discover their approach to sustainability and really facilitate the conversation in that direction. And I really want to emphasize how important it is to protect our environment because it is a collective action and we all really need to do it so that we can safeguard our future. And just like Mogesh said, it's about us, everyone joining hands in order to, you know, really work on this collective action. And finally, again, um, if you would like to join us, just head over to yell.my and fill in the interest form. We'll definitely reach out to you. We're really interested in what your work you're doing. And if you're an, an individual, make sure to join our programs. Um, that's really all from me. Thank you so much, Juliet. Thank you so much, both of you, for joining me today. I've been speaking to Wani Nor Imanina, a Youth Environment Community Facilitator at the Youth Environment Living Labs, or YEL, and Mogesh Sababati, a co-founder of Project Ocean Hope. Uh, as Mogesh mentioned just now, just head to yell.my to find out more about YEL and also to oceanhope.umt.edu.my to find out more about that project and or follow him on social media, as he mentioned. And um, if you miss any part of our conversation today, you can always download the podcast at bfm.my slash earth or you can find it on the BFM app. This has been Earth Matters on The Bigger Picture, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.